1: This is the Greg Bedard Patriots podcast with Nick Cattles.
0: Yes, I am back. It's the Greg Bedard Patriots podcast with Nick Cattles, scheduling conflict earlier this week. Thanks to John Zanis for substituting for me earlier this week. But, you know, I always get this email from you, Greg, before we have the podcast. And in the subject line this week for this episode, you had, so they're saying there's a chance. You're saying there's a chance. And uh, I'm just wondering, Sunday night, so you're saying there's a chance, Greg?
1: <laughs> I am, Nick. Um, for a little bit of background for people, I they'll be probably surprised to know uh, that I don't get to watch a whole lot of NFL games, especially if the Patriots play at 1 o'clock on Sunday. I'm covering that game. Then I'm writing till about 8 o'clock. I might get home, have some dinner, watch a little Sunday night. Monday night, I'm usually grinding the film, so I don't get to watch the a whole lot of that game. And Thursday night, I'm not a big fan of. I did watch a lot of the Titans-Colts last night. But in general, I don't see a lot uh, of NFL games. I try. Uh, it was helpful when the Patriots played on Monday night. And uh, so, you know, when it comes to my frame of reference with the Ravens, I saw bits and pieces of the Steelers game earlier this year. But largely, I remember the Ravens team from last year. Yeah. And which was the one that we saw uh, basically blow the doors off of the Patriots, 17-0. They relaxed. It probably probably let the Patriots come back to the point where the Patriots in the third quarter had the ball with a chance to take the lead, and then Julian Edelman got strip-sacked, and, and they returned it for a touchdown, and that was the end of things. We also remember the Ravens that, you know, largely the second half of the season, they blew doors off of everybody. I mean, I think they had two games in the final – uh i think it was eight, you know 7 8 games where they where it was in, within seven points most of them were blowouts and then yeah. we also remember the titans playoff loss which considering what the titans did to the patriots the week prior i don't think anybody was really shocked about i mean look lamar jackson has yet to record a playoff victory and that's an issue And these Ravens with Lamar Jackson haven't won in the playoffs, so that's an issue. So that was my frame of reference. And when I thought about this matchup, uh, even earlier this week, I was like, well, the Patriots have no chance. And in terms of talking about them, can they make the playoffs? Can they go on a run? I always chalk this up as an automatic loss. And I mean, I I don't know how you feel about it, Nick, but when I started watching the film yesterday and I started talking to a couple people around the league, this is far from the same Ravens team um this is a team that uh you know they they started the season with four big wins out of five uh they lost to the chiefs yep um but since then they 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 had a 2 point win over the eagles they had a 4 point loss to the steelers and their win over the colts last week really wasn't that you know it, it it was a lot closer than that for most of the game and really the colts gave them 14 points and so, you know, watching it more, their DVOA is down at football outsiders. And but really there there are a couple different places where I see the the Ravens a lot di- different. The offensive line and that's a whole side topic because it, I think it affects their offensive identity and also who Lamar Jackson is. And then also defensively, You know, they have some new pieces like Clayus Campbell, who might not play this week, which would be – he only played three snaps last week. They have Ngakwe, who they got. But there are some issues on defense also that I think that sort of play into the Patriots and at least, to me, lends itself to at least being a close game uh, for a while.
0: Yeah, I think this game could actually be closer than people think. I would also have a disclaimer here – It depends on who plays for the Patriots, honestly. Like, if you have everybody out, I mean, if you've got Gilmore out, that's going to hurt. It won't hurt as much as it did last week because, you know, some of the things offensively that Baltimore does, which I think we'll get into. But I do think if this team is banged up, that changes things, right? That changes the trajectory of this team and the chances that they have to win on Sunday night. And we both thought that they were going to cover the seven against the Jets, but I did not know Guy would be out and Bentley would be out and Gilmore would be out. And that affected, obviously, that affected the defense where J.C. Jackson was just exposed in the first half. So, you know, these things, they do actually count. I know a lot of people just want to write off injury, but if you're banged up and you go out there with a team that's already not deep and you've got some major injuries on the defensive side, then that could be an issue. But when I look at the Ravens, and Greg, you know, I watch a lot of football, my Monday through Friday afternoon job that I have, is pretty much like a national show, so I watch a lot of football across the board. I agree with you about the Ravens. Offensively, they are incredibly predictable. And Lamar Jackson was on the Rich Eisen show this week, and he mentioned that defenses are calling out their plays. They know exactly what's happening. Uh, Dan Orlovsky yesterday on NFL Live did a tremendous job of finding three separate plays that the Ravens ran twice in all three occasions, the second time they ran it, same look, same play, second time they ran it, it was a disaster. So they are very, very predictable. And what I see from this offense, Greg, if they don't get up early, they're going to struggle. Yep. We've all had questions about Lamar Jackson's ability as a pocket passer. All of those questions have been legitimized by this season. He has taken a step back. There's no doubt he's regressed. You can look at several statistics across the board offensively. You know their third down percentage is down. Their red zone percentage is down. Their pass, uh, their their yards per attempt on passes are way down. All of these statistics, uh, statistics that you can look at, that would tell you there was regression. That's what you see from yep. this offense. So I think they're very predictable. And I don't think they have a very good passing offense. As long as you can take Mark Andrews out of the game, yep. which teams have done, he's got like 26 catches this year. Mm-hmm. And you leave it to Lamar to hit people outside the numbers and downfield. They're not going to be able to move the football without running it.
1: Yeah. Uh, and I can, my fantasy football team can attest to the Mark Andrews struggles <laughs> this year. That, that's been, that's one of the tough, that's been a tough one for the big uglies, but um, you know, in general, And you make several good points. Um, Number one, though, you have to start with the offensive line with this team because really the running and the running concepts that they use with Lamar Jackson, that's really the foundation of this offense. And if if the running game isn't working correctly – then it's hard for them to get in the short yardage. It's hard to make Lamar Jackson a dual threat where you have to worry about him. And then that's the that's the offensive advantage for the Ravens, and that's played out in the stats because I think they are 31st in uh, second down rushing um, offense and second down uh, offense overall. So so that shows up there. And to me, it starts with the offensive line. And of course, nobody ever respects those guys, Nick. You know, I have, I know. To, I have to I have to wage the battle. I fight the good fight. (laughs) You know, nobody talks about the offensive line until they suck and then they wonder what happened. But that's the case with the Ravens. I mean, first of all, they had Marshall Yander retire, the right guard in the offseason, who still, when he retired, he was still arguably the best right guard in the league. Um, So that was huge. Even bigger was Ronnie Stanley, their left tackle, suffering a season ending injury. Yep. And so right now, so right there, They have dropped, they have lost two, arguably two of the best players at their positions in the league. That's an issue. It's going to be an issue for anybody. So then, then you have the trickle down effect where Orlando Brown was the right tackle, again, one of the best in the league at what he does. And you have to move him over to the left side. Now you have DJ Fluker there who stinks, who was a (laughs) bust in uh, with the Chargers, I think. Um, But so. When I see their offensive line, and and for me, because watching them, I haven't seen them on coaches' films since last year, I just see a huge difference where their athleticism on the offensive line really matched up well with their speed of Jackson and Ingram and Dobbins and, you know, all these guys, um, uh, the other running uh, Gus Edwards. And also, you know, they're guys that they bring on jet sweeps and stuff like that. So the offensive line – was athletic enough and basically very fast for for an offensive line. Yeah. Now yep. I look out there, and they are slow. I mean, they are really they are unathletic. The, the the two guards in the center, they are unathletic. They can't get out. There was a third. There was a third and four play last weekend against the Colts, and they, they it was a nice designed running play, but here comes Bozeman, the left guard, pulling into the hole, and he's such a bad athlete that Darius Leonard just blew by him. Darius Leonard blew, blows by a lot of people, but he just he couldn't adjust on the on the fly, took down Lamar Jackson for a 1-yard gain and really the play was there if they could execute it, they can't. So to me, that's where the issue starts. I think that helps the Patriots in terms of their struggles on the offensive line in the front 7. They're not going to get blown off the ball by these guys on the Ravens offensive line, like some of these teams that they played. And certainly if Lawrence Guy comes back, he can dominate. If they can find if they can find it within Byron Cowart to sort of have a career day, that would be very helpful. Uh look, the, we we know they're gonna need the linebackers, whoever it is, if Bentley's back, if it's Phillips, they're gonna to need to play much better than they have. They're gonna to need to stop. They, they can't do what they did last year was pay attention to the bells and whistles, the running and the motion and all this stuff, and just stay with what you know. Yeah. Stay with where's the ball, do my job, what gap am I supposed to be in? Let me take care of my gap. I'll let the guys take care of the edge. I'll let the cornerbacks tackle. So all that stuff is important, but I also think that when you talk about Lamar, I think that because of the running game's not working and they're getting in a longer, longer yardage, it is harder for him. And he has lost a lot of confidence, and I don't think, I don't think it's about the plays. I think that's, you know, that's Lamar scapegoating Greg Roman, saying it's not my fault. Um, they had to go back last week in the second half. They had to go back to remedial passing concepts. It really reminded me of what the Patriots have done. Had to do with Cam Newton. Look, watch the Patriots. They don't run very many plays anymore either yeah. because the quarterback's not playing well. So it's the to me it's the running game and that feeds into Lamar and right now they're they're pretty much lost on offense in terms of they punted i think it was the first six series against the Colts and then turned it over on the seventh i mean we're talking about an offense that is struggling coming into the Patriots now are the Patriots good enough on defense right now to 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 exploit that and use that to upset the Ravens no but could they do it on one night maybe
0: yeah and i think one thing we've got to say is that Colts defense is pretty good. I mean, last night we yes. saw it against Tennessee. Asked. Uh, their linebackers are very fast downhill, sideline to sideline. You brought up Leonard. He's really good. Um, what is it? Okoriki or whatever his name is from Stanford. Yeah. He's also a very good athlete on the second mm-hmm. level. Uh, Xavier Rhodes is playing like a, a, a pro bowler after having yep. a, a down year last year. In Minnesota so you know they do have when you compare defenses Indianapolis is in a different stratosphere than the Patriots defense I mean it's not even close and if the Patriots have injuries like they had last week again if you take Stephon Gilmore and Lawrence Guy away from this defense and even Jawan Bentley I don't like Jawan Bentley I don't think he's very good but when you have a thin linebacking core and that guy is starting for you in the middle well now you take him out Obviously, there is no confidence in Uche or Jennings. We didn't see them last week, hardly at all. I know Belichick yep. tried to say, "Oh, situationally, blah." Listen, they didn't play a lot. Uh, you know, it's yep. it's as simple as that. They don't believe in them. They they called up Hall from the practice squad and he played a bunch of snaps. So mm-hmm. if they're losing players from that defense, which is already thin, that's going to be a problem, whether it's against the run or even against the pass, especially down the seam with Andrews. But you know, your points about Baltimore, I think, are correct. They're dead on. This is not the same Ravens team. People looked at this team and said, well, they're going to be the the second best team in the AFC. It's going to be clearly Kansas City, Baltimore, and then everybody else. No, Pittsburgh has leapfrogged them. Indianapolis is going to make an argument now after last night's game. So when when you start to look at the AFC, Baltimore, maybe not part of the hierarchy like we thought that they were going to be. They've had a step back. The question I do have, though, because we've spent a lot of time now on offense, is defense. Because watching Wink Martindale's defense, Greg, what I see is a very aggressive front. He's going to send extra guys a decent amount. He's going to stay aggressive. And I wonder what the Patriots and Josh McDaniels can do with Cam Newton to counter that aggression in the front seven from Baltimore.
1: Yeah, it's, it's it's a good question. And uh, one topic on the Ravens offense that I, I forgot to bring up that I wanted to is that one of the things that you see on a consistent basis, and this started with the Chiefs and that loss, and other teams have carried it forward against the Ravens, is uh, even on third and long yardage, teams are coming with all-out heavy blitzes, mm. like almost a lot of cover zero blitzes. And what they're doing is – they are trying to, yes, they want to get to Lamar, but really what they're trying to do is they're trying to plug up all the rushing lanes and they are trying to be physical with the receivers. And if you can, if Lamar sees the rush coming, he's going to get sped up. He's going to, his first instinct is going to be to scramble out of the pocket. And then you have enough players there to, 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 to tackle him when you're coming with a cover zero blitz. And, and he doesn't, he doesn't have a clearly defined throw. He has to go through matchups it slows him up mentally, which slows up his feet. And so you see a lot of teams doing that. So they're having issues with that. As far as the Ravens defensively, they're certainly talented. And if Calais Campbell is out there, that makes him even better, even though he's not the same player, uh, the, the you know future Hall of Famer that he has been Um, previously in his career. He's still a good player. We'll see if he plays. But the thing that sort of blew me away about watching the Ravens is that they are very soft on the edge on their defense, you know, whether that's Juden Ngakwe, uh, you know, they have a couple, you know, Purnell McPhee, uh, they have another kid, number 45, who comes in, uh, Jalen Ferguson, who they, they are very soft on the edge. So what I saw with the Colts is you saw a lot of stuff basically from the numbers out in that alley which is whether it's jet sweeps or wide receiver screens and stuff like that. So I would like – we talked about it, I think, last week where, you know, I would like to see some more wide receiver screens. Yeah, uh, they team. haven't trusted Cam on that. I think I think it's because of timing and also because, you know, Cam's not exactly, you know, Mr. Smooth when it comes to those quick-hitting plays. <laughs> like, you know, I think I mentioned it on Belger and Maz this week. I said, you know, when he throws, it looks like a com- convulsion. You know, it's not. It's not even on like a short pass. Like most <laughs> quarterbacks are just like, "Oh, okay, I'll just flick my wrist." I'm like, no, Cam. It's like, it's like a dry heave or something like that when he throws. Like, it's it's tough to watch. Somebody sent me a gif of uh, it was. It's like uh, George explaining when uh, Elaine dances on Seinfeld. Yeah. It's kind of yeah. like that. So <laughs> those timing plays, I think, have been an issue because of that. I mean, we laugh, but I think it's I think it's true. But um. I also think, look, they have really good man coverage guys. You know, if Marlon Humphrey is just back from the uh, the COVID list, he's pound for pound. He might be the best cornerback in the league. Yeah, he's uh, really good. With, yeah, with the amount of things that he can do. But they also have, you know, Jimmy Smith and Marcus Peters. Uh, you know, and they're really good. I do think that – I think that Peters is susceptible. At times on film, he looks a little bit lazy to me. Looks like he doesn't want to tackle very much. I, I want a lot of stuff on the outside. I can see this being a big – Zuber Zuber Gunnar Alshevsky screen type of game. But then I think you're also looking at taking advantage of the two rookie linebackers in the middle, both of whom I liked. I thought Queen was a little small for the Patriots, but I wouldn't have been offended if they drafted him in the Neither first would round. I yeah, I, I liked
0: uh, him and Murray a lot in the first round.
1: Yeah, I I had Murray, I think, for for them ultimately, uh, because he was a little bit bigger, but You know, Patrick Queen and Malik Harrison out of Ohio State, who they got in the third round, both were guys that I really like, But they're rookies, you know. And so, you know, Queen has – you know, he's probably the odds-on favorite to be rookie defensive rookie of the year this year. But he hasn't had a great year, and he's susceptible to some stuff. So, I think that McDaniels also needs to hit on – this is sort of a game – maybe they've saved him up the past couple. I think this is a game where you let Cam loose with his legs – more of the power, you know, a lot of bully ball. I think they can get away with it. I don't think the Ravens are that great up front. You do not want to be in the teeth of the Ravens throwing into the, those cornerbacks. It's no. sort of like they're Patriots. Yeah. You know, you just like you don't want to get in the third and long, you know, because you don't want to get you throw against those those cornerbacks. It's the same thing here. So it's going to be very, very important that the league's worst first and second down offense is much better in this game if they're going to pull an upset.
0: All right, so before we get back to this game with our pick a little bit later, uh, something happened this morning that you wanted to talk about. So Tommy Curran was questioning Belichick on his draft record the last four or five years, and Belichick's answer, and I'm paraphrasing, was pretty much, well, you know, I I wouldn't want to change our winning record or whatever the last 20 years, and, you know, I've seen a lot worse. Tell me how you felt when you heard that uh, out of Belichick this morning.
1: Yeah, Nick, I'd be curious, you know, your your opinion on this also, but you know, what I heard is first of all, great question from Tommy Curran. and um and people will say like it's his job, it's this and that. Like, you know, look, it's it, in the social media age, this is hard like to do that. Yeah. Like, you know, and sometimes I've asked tough questions of people and uh you all automatically get you Twitter, you get bombarded by especially the um the little insecure minority of uh Patriots fans out there, the, the fellowship of the miserable, the Twittership of the Miserable as I like to refer to them as these guys who just hate life and just like live to say something derogatory about was something you've written or wrote on on, on Twitter. And I'm sure Nick, I'm sure you've gotten it. Oh yeah, uh, we all got it. You know, a lot. So I mean it's uh you know you're gonna hear it. And and it, that's not always easy to deal with. Um, this is not the case of, you know, before social media and the internet where you were just at a press conference, and if somebody wanted to criticize you, they had to handwrite a letter and deliver it to the sports <laughs> section. Yeah. We're a long ways from that. So, uh, you know, I give Tom a lot of credit for asking the question, and it's a valid question, about stuff that we've been talking about for weeks, about their their lack of effective drafting, how it has basically left this team – largely devoid of talent like they are so there's a talent deficiency when you talk about even the Patriots in the AFC East I mean you know now with the development of Tua in Miami you know with uh, with the injuries in the opt-outs of the Patriots uh, have dealt with certainly the Bills are more talented than pay than the Patriots you can make the argument that the Dolphins are more uh, more talented and you could actually make the argument that the Jets might have been overall you know they didn't have Darnold and things like that but the Jets have a lot of talent They're, you know, when Becton's out there, this, 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 there's some talent on that team. And we saw I think it. the
0: Jets are trash. I'll disagree with yeah. you on that, but I'll, I'll yeah. give you the dolphins and bills. The Jets suck.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, look, the Patriots have fallen behind in personnel. We all know this. It's because of the draft. We've been talking about it for multiple years that there was a reckoning coming with this team because there was not enough of an influx of good, cheap, young talent uh, that, that, that basically helps offset your more expensive older players. And, and this is when it's come to roost and it's, and, and, and it actually started last year, but it's really hit this year because Brady's not here to make it look a little bit better. And, you know, so, I mean, look, it was a valid question. I get his response. Uh, It's just, I just think that, you know, could he just acknowledge, like, look, you know, sometimes, you know, these things ebb and flow, you know, maybe we haven't done as good a job. I still have a lot of hope for some of these guys on this team. This has been tough circumstances this year. And, um, you know, maybe we haven't dealt with them in the past as, as, as well as we should have, but, you know, we're always looking at that. We're going to adjust. And I think that the, I think that the, the young guys on this team are going to come forward and they're going to be good players for this franchise from year on out, you know, to me, You know, this is Belichick not not wanting to hear the criticism. And he's not used to it and he doesn't like it. But you know, it's valid. It's it's similar to last year when somebody asked an innocuous question. I think it was towards maybe going into the playoffs or something like that. And somebody asked him, uh, you know, if he had a message for fans who have struck struck with the team through thick and thin. Yeah. This was in early January.
0: Yeah. And Belichick
1: said, we appreciate our fans. I wouldn't say it's been all that thin around here personally. Maybe you feel differently, but I haven't heard too many fans say that. Like Belichick knew then this was early January. He knew like the team, I think lost four or five to finish the year after starting eight. No, they, they, they were going to play a Titans team that, Belichick probably knew they were going to have a tough time against. So he was, he knew then that like he heard that was an innocuous question. I'm telling you by a news reporter, not even a sports reporter. Um, And he was already defensive about the personnel. And I think this is a continuation of this. And look, look, they have one. Belichick said, you know, we've won a lot and I, I'm not going to apologize for that. Look, we get that, but the two aren't mutually exclusive. Like, you can win, but you can also have a better drafting record. So you're not right. as bad as you are this right. year. So that's my whole thing with it.
0: Yeah. I mean, when we talked about, you know, the last couple of weeks and how Belichick has handled the media, both you and I had said about the scoreboard, right? It's really tough when you're two and five before last week's game against the Jets and you're asked these questions and why was Belichick bringing up the salary cap and being up against it and all those kinds of things it's really difficult to say, well, you know, just look at the scoreboard and not have to answer those questions. And people are wondering why Belichick is actually answering some of these questions or going in depth with some of these, you know, answers that he's given and and said a lot more than he ever has said before. And that's because he can't go to the scoreboard this year because the scoreboard doesn't look good for him. So today was an opportunity that he could go back to the scoreboard, not of this year, but the last 20 years. And it's a way to, you know, kind of, (laughs) deflect Sorry. right he can deflect the situation the question and he can say well hey you know the last 20 years we've done really well so i, I don't know why people would be complaining I-, I do think answering it in that way like you said it's not mutually exclusive you can say yes you've had 20 years of success bill but the last four or five years you have not drafted well and mm-hmm. you know listen he's he's a full of he's a prideful guy and yep. he's stubborn obviously to a point and he knows a lot of people say, oh, like, you know, Belichick doesn't pay attention to the media. Bullcrap. He always gets the the printouts of the stories. Yep. He's always knowing what's online. He knows what people are saying. And I think this is a defense me- mechanism 100%. I think yep. Belichick knows people are questioning him. And, hey, listen, I get it. From a human emotion standpoint, I get it. I mean, think about it this way. We are eight games into the season. It took eight games post Tom Brady for people to start bringing up the idea of trading Bill Belichick and letting Belichick go to another organization and talking about how Belichick I've taken the phone calls on EEI. I've seen the text. I've seen the tweets. Belichick's a fraud. It was all, it took eight games post Brady during a COVID-19 funky situation All of that stuff, right? It took eight games for some. I'm not saying even most. But for some people to start bringing up how Belichick should leave in his best interest and that he's a fraud. So if I'm Belichick, I I kind of get it. I do. I'm not saying it's acceptable. I'm not saying he should have answered the question the way he did. I do think he could have been a, a, a lot better saying, hey, listen, all teams hit and miss. The draft is an imperfect science. We haven't been as good as we were before. I feel like we're going to get better, and moving forward, we're going to be excellent, and I believe in this team. But I also get it from a human standpoint. This guy is taking a lot of shrapnel right now, and a lot of people are doubting him nationally and locally. And I think this is the way where he kind of puts up the shield and says, you know, the last 20 years, everybody's writing off the last 20 years of success. You know, it's been eight games. What are we doing here? I think there's a little bit of that in his answer, Greg.
1: Yeah, I man, and I do think, um, just one last point on that. I think that, <clears throat> and I think I said it last week, um, Belichick starting to rhyme me a little bit of Shula at the end mm. where, um, there was a lot of the same conversation about Shula. Shula really missed on his drafts. I mean, whether it was, you know, Eric Kumaro or John Bosa, or, you know, there are a bunch of guys that they missed on in the later years. And, um, and it just—I'm—I'm I'm starting to get not that look, and and I'm not saying sh- the game's passing Belichick by, which I did think it did, uh, it did at the end for Shula, but I'm starting. I was I was a died-in-the-wool Dolphins fan. I lived and died with the Dolphins for a long time. I lived through that. I look, li- you know, I was there for, uh, you know, Jimmy Johnson and things like that. And um, Dan Marino was my guy. And I'm just getting that vibe. Like this is a similar feeling that I had. At the end, um, you know, with, with, with Shula, and it'll just be interesting to see because Shula didn't really adjust to the modern game and uh, and sort of the, the the way they were the direction the game was going. And I'm not saying the Patriots are behind because I think what they do is sound when they have the right players. But I do think there's no question that they are having trouble finding the right players coming out of college, and they are falling behind multiple teams in the AFC when they were always on the cutting edge. And I think that's going to be an issue for them going forward.
0: Yeah. And I've been saying this, listen, we can look back at 2020 and this isn't a popular thing to say in media because you got to have a take, you got to stand by your take and all that stuff. But frankly, we're not going to know what this 2020 season truly meant. When you look at it all in the puzzle, until two, three years from now. And I know people don't want to hear that. People want you to have an opinion right now. I think you can criticize what's happening right now. You can look back at the last four or five years at the draft and say Belichick has not been as good in the draft as he was in prior years. You can question the coaching decisions he's made, like the onside kick against Buffalo. All of that is absolutely fair to do. We can criticize week to week and year to year, but when we talk about the big picture of this franchise – and what this is going to look like and what this year means, we don't know because we could look back at 2020 and say it was a bump in the road. It was a down Mm -hmm. year. COVID was crazy. The depth was terrible. You had to go through the whole cam thing and he was coming back from injuries and surgeries. And what happened was the Patriots walked into the off season with more than $70 million of cap space and more than enough draft capital and kind of rebuilt the program. And then 2021 was the beginning of a new stretch of being a playoff team and a possible contender. Or we could look back and say 2020 was truly the beginning of the end. We don't know which one of those two it's going to be. And I know people have agendas and they want to keep pushing the the you know pessimistic side of that and there's agendas trying to push the optimistic side of it. But we don't know, in the grand scheme of this, we don't know what this season is truly going to mean until probably 2022-2023. Because then the rookie class will have more than enough of a chance to prove if they were good or not from this year. There's a lot of things that go into it. So I just think it's way too simple to say eight games in three and five Belichick sucks. Let's get to yep. the uh, Boston member question of the day. Uh, check them out over at BSJ 11 cents a day on their annual plan. Not only do you get top notch analysis of all the Boston pro sports, but if you're Patriots junkie and we know that you are listening to this podcast, a membership at BSJ gives you access to a ton of video analysis, but does on the coaches film and direct access to him in weekly chats. Gino C. I don't know if it's like, well, it can't be the Gino that's on the board at TD Garden because he passed away, unfortunately. All right, <laughs> Gino. But Gino C. has the question this week. Uh, it's been noted Myers is a different size slash quickness than Julian Edelman or Wes Welker. Uh, Jacoby is about the same size as Troy Brown. Can he be another slot in the Troy mold?
1: <laughs> the short answer is no. Because, look, <laughs> they might be the same size, but – we all know Troy Brown could fly. Yeah, I mean, that's, Yep. Yeah, and that's that's what made him Troy Brown. I mean, the punt returns, the kick returns, the he could play cornerback. I don't think they're putting Jacoby Myers back there on at cornerback anytime soon. Um look, Jacoby is a is a is a good player. I think he has a role on this team. But I do think there's a ceiling. I mean, we have seen this th- these types come and go throughout the NFL and to me, in my going back to my Dolphins fandom days, uh, and also part of when I covered the team, was Jacoby Myers reminds me of Rondé Gadsden, who was a oh, yeah. really good, yeah. solid possession receiver for the Dolphins at the end of Marino into, like, Jay Biedler. Yep. And he was good for, you know, 60, 70 catches for a few years there. But those, ki- those guys have a certain ceiling, and y- you're always going to be looking for faster, explosive plays. Jacoby's a good player. But I just don't know. I mean, right now, if they don't get any better at receiver for next year, I think you certainly, with his size, you certainly vault him over Nikhil Harry. I mean, I just think you do now. We've seen enough of Nikhil Harry to know where he is. So that's good. But I think ideally, if the Patriots really want their offense to go, um, I think it's, you know, a better X. I think it's some sort of slot. I don't know who that's going to be. It could be Jacoby, but I think they want quicker. They want that guy that can, you know, go those option routes and break a tackle and, and, and go for 15 yards on third down. Uh, I don't think Jacoby's that guy, even though he he's, he, he is an inside sort of slot player. And then I think you you might have Demir Bird back after his one year deal is up. And, but I think that, uh, you know, right now he's going to be their number one boundary X. Hopefully they get better there, but ideally I think he's really a number three or four. I don't think he's going to be any better than that. And, and that, that, that fans are trying to push him higher. I understand, but it's just, it's a sign of the times for the Patriots in terms of their roster. I just don't think he's that good. You're going to want better because if, he it's fine to have him as a possession receiver number three or four on, on third downs and things like that. But if you're out there against, you know, really good defenses in this league, you need speed, you need explosiveness guys who could, who threaten to take it to the house. And right now the Patriots are devoid of those types.
0: Yeah. I think it's one of those, he is who he is. And I I think he's a good player and he deserves all the credit in the world for how he has shown up the last couple of weeks. And I, I do think he earned a spot on this roster moving forward. I think you've got to put him out there and you've got to play him. But I think if if you have the best of all worlds here, you're talking about a true number one wide receiver, then you're talking about, I'm not giving up on Nikhil Harry yet. I'm I'm really not. Uh, you've got Harry, you've got Myers, and you know, you've got Bird. So I think you need a true number one receiver and maybe even somebody who could be classified as a 2B even, because if you had somebody where you get the true number one, And then, and I don't mean you need a top five receiver in the game. You just need a guy who you can look at and say he's a number one receiver on an NFL team. You need that guy. And then if you have Harry Myers, Bird, and maybe somebody else in the mix, it's not the end of the world if you get that guy. And that's the biggest question. Can they find that guy, whether it's via the draft or free agency, which goes back to my point that I made, that the Patriots are going to have a ton of opportunity this offseason. And I, I don't want to go too far down the road yep. because we're in the middle of this season, but they are. They're going to have a ton of opportunity when it comes to cap space and draft picks. And listen, if it goes the way it's gone the last four years with the draft, no bueno. Hopefully, it's a much better draft than that, and you end up with somebody. Because I know a lot of people were frustrated about the 2020 draft and how it fell and the Patriots not drafting a wide receiver. You know, A lot of the pundits, a lot of the experts... They will tell you this draft wide receiver wise is better than last season's. So, you know, maybe the Patriots this time around learn from their mistake the last time and maybe even double down at receiver. Uh, But, you know, they're going to have opportunity. It's whether or not Belichick takes advantage of the opportunity and makes the smart decisions. Uh, Let's talk about the pick now. Sunday night, Ravens Patriots. The last I saw it, it was Ravens minus seven. How are you feeling about this one?
1: Look, I'm saying that there's a chance, like one in a million, uh, but more like one in a million. But uh, you, I, I do think they have a chance, and I do think this is going to be a tighter game. I just don't know, Nick. If I had the cojones to pick the Patriots outright, I think I, I'm not that crazy. I'm not that much of a uh, you know a homer. That I'm sure some people will say that's the only reason I'm saying this. I I'm I'm gonna pick the Ravens 24, Patriots 20. I think it's going to be relatively low scoring because I think both offenses uh, are struggling. I think that both quarterbacks are struggling and they're both sort of in the same place uh, where the offensive coordinators are having to, you know, really set things up on a tee for them. In the second half against the Colts, you saw the Ravens go back to a lot of their tried and true sort of read, a read option, pull it back, throw a pass. Clearly defined, limited options for Lamar Jackson. The Patriots are in the same place. Uh, so, and I think both defenses have their issues. I certainly, I think that the Ravens defense is a little bit better. I think that the odds are longer for the Patriots offense to, to, to make a ton of plays, uh, against the Patriots and, and and look, the bottom line is Lamar Jackson may be struggling, but if he gets any daylight, forget it. It's over, especially against this defense, which is slow as molasses. So, uh, I am picking, uh, the ravens 24 20 i think the patriots uh, you know cover the points but they uh, they don't get a win
0: i think this is such a tough game to call with the seven points i think it could end up being the old push like a 24 17 kind of game but yep. when i when i look at this you know it really depends on the small things and things that you can't predict like turnovers jackson has been turnover prone from time to time he had four turnovers against the steelers if he turns the football over, Patriots could yep. win this game. Uh, mm-hmm. Cam Newton has been turnover prone at times. He turns the ball over, that's going to make a huge difference because I do think, as you said, I think both offenses are, as Joe Namath would say, struggling a little bit here. <laughs> so, you know, you, you've got to put that into account. But I trust the Ravens' defense a heck of a lot more than I trust the Patriots' defense. And because of that, I would go with the Ravens winning this game. And, you know, if if there are a couple of turnovers, it could swing it but I think the Ravens win on Sunday night. We'll catch up with you early next week. We'll wrap this game up, our reaction, anything else that happens in the world of the New England Patriots. Until then, everybody be safe, be good. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast, you rate and review. It is the Greg Bedard Patriots podcast with Nick Cattles. We'll catch you next time.